0: I fear that this program is going to take us several steps back if this is what they do. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens your hosts nick and nate will evaluate study and understand sports patterns tendencies and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect just like Weatherman, but way more accurate so if you like to pick games or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else you are in the right place enjoy the show What's up, everybody? Welcome to the next edition of the Sports Forecasters Podcast. I am your host, Nathan, and we have Nick as well. What's going on?
1: College football is hitting conference championship weekend. Exciting times there. NFL landscape still very much up for grabs for many teams. So lots of things to get into with the football side of things this week. Nathan, where are we going first in this football-centric episode?
0: Yeah, obviously we've seen a... Um quite a shift in the coaching carousel here in college football. So there's still a few openings left. Um, A lot of them have happened. So unfortunately we didn't get that opportunity to predict all these, all these new coaching uh, hires or where they would go. Um, But but let's just talk about a few Lincoln Riley, right? He went to Oklahoma to USC, a little bit of a surprising move. I think for me, at least he wasn't one of the top names that I've heard to to go to the USC uh, football team. So, what do you think about that move and, and do you think this is the right move for USC and do you think they make that that leap in the right direction?
1: For USC, I think it's about time they got on the wagon. They had been paying what we would consider for that type of program or what that program wishes to be. Pretty low salaries um, for most top college coaches. It was well over $6 million is what the market was demanding at this point. So for him to get an offer higher than that, USC is looking like they're being more serious about who they want to be their coach and try to bring the program back up to its prominence that it had honestly when we were kids in school so I would say for the for USC's program this is a step in the right direction what are your thoughts Nathan
0: yeah I think this is the first time they've really hired a big name in a while um, but I think LA sports is just really back now and USC is kind of as has been the one High end program that's just not looking good, and I think what really pushed this is honestly Chip Kelly at UCLA. He's this UCLA team um, is doing better than USC. UCLA is a basketball school, USC is a football school, and to see your little brother in football just being outperform outperforming you is is a little bit of an embarrassment and just to see how you know the lakers just came off a championship recently the dodgers just came off a championship recently now you've got two nfl teams in la that are both pretty good um so i think there's this pressure like usc you're gonna get buried here you mean you were the you were the you were the football face of southern california forever you know, but now it's like, well, baseball programs doing better. We have both LA basketball teams are really good. Uh, now we got two LA professional football teams. UCLA is doing good, and I think it's like you guys. You know, you, we better do something or we're gonna get buried. I th- honestly think they they made the best move they could make um, to get the most high end high end coach, Lincoln Riley. I I think he's a more of a Pac twelve kind of guy for me. And I don't think he's going to survive in what will be an Oklahoma team in the SEC. He he does, he's not fit for that in my opinion. Um, he he seems more like a West Coast offensive kind of guy, and um, so I think he's in his I think he's in his element out there. So I think this will be good for him. And I really think USC will be back. They'll be top ten, top twenty program now. So that's my take. But I want to jump now to more of our area of the country and um, Notre Dame's coach Brian Kelly went to LSU. And I had my predictions for the new Notre Dame coach. The first the most obvious one was Luke Fickle. Brian Kelly came from Cincinnati, went to Notre Dame. Now Luke Fickle, who's got a Cincinnati team, looking like they're going to make the college football playoff, the first non-Big Five conference to do so. Um, it just made sense for him to go to Notre Dame. But there's a growing feeling inside the Notre Dame um, organization that the defensive coordinator freeman is going to take over and I, i'm a little i'll, I'll let's, he, let's hear your thoughts first on this before i give you my
1: input the big thing was that brian kelly was turning over his staff to get younger coordinators in there to vibe with the guys and everything like that and freeman is definitely younger in terms of coaching ranks only at 35 years old but from the be the head coach i think is quite the jump up but I think that was more of a move of, uh, we kind of thought this was going to happen, but we didn't think it was going to happen now. And they didn't—they went and retain their staff that had been performing so well down this final stretch. So they went for something new. I don't know that it's the best move for Notre Dame as a program. I hope he does well. I hope he has prominence in it. Just for him being 35 years old, really his first year on the staff. He doesn't have a good resume that shows that he'll have a long-term success at Notre Dame. So for me, I'm kind of pessimistic in his long-term outlook, but I think short-term, they'll rally behind him here in these next this next bowl game, or if they make the playoffs, maybe in that first game, they'll look decent. Doesn't mean they'll win, because it depends where they're seated. But I think Freeman will be a good short-term answer, but for the long-term, I don't We'll have to see how he develops, but I'm thinking it will not be the long term answer for Notre Dame. What are your thoughts, Nathan?
0: This was a bit of a surprise departure for Brian Kelly, and as you said, he is the young coordinators. But I don't think I don't think they there was in Brian Kelly. Under this, they had no plans to leave Notre Dame this year. So, so he's these young coordinators. So it looks like the the defense coordinator is going to take over. But like, if he had no plans to leave this year, he he had no. He didn't do anything to to, let's say, prepare that next head coach if it's going to come from within the house, you know. So like the Coach K situation, right? John Shire is his top assistant, and he gets to sit along Coach K and 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 do that transition together, right? And so I don't I don't see Duke taking a step back next year when Coach K's gone because they've made those proper steps to, um. To, to make that transition flawless but this when you just abri- believe abruptly and the and the players are a little shocked by it um I think it's really difficult to recover from that and in my opinion here is so if, if I think this the players I've heard that the players there's just this growing support for the defense coordinator to be the next head coach and that's why he's kind of the front line candidate. But to me, I think this is a, just an emotional move. Like, Brian Kelly moved abruptly. Um, some players are upset. Some players are shocked, whatever. You know, especially, like, you talked about the timing right before the bowl game. I mean, we they're like, we could—I mean, we're ranked five. I mean, we could be in this playoff. You know, like, what if Oklahoma State loses a Big 12 championship? We're, we're in, you know? Um. So, I—, I I think this is just an emotional hire if they hired this defensive coordinator because of the shock that came from Brian Kelly leaving. And there but there was no succession plan there. There's no transition plan there to make this a successful transition between head coach and defense coordinator. Um, and I think this is really, really bad for the program if they do this because I don't know anything about this defense coordinator. I don't know how what kind of coaching experience he has. On top of the fact that there's no transition period, there's no there's no uh help helping hand it off. So, I I fear that this program is going to take us several steps back if this is what they do. Um, they need to hire just bring in a new guy in and that's shown success. I know what knows what to do. That knows the recruiting area and Luke Fickle's the most obvious choice. You know, Matt Campbell Iowa State is is I think a second good choice, but Luke Fickle's the most obvious choice and. But I think their feelings are involved right now. I think they should just like wait a while to let the feelings kind of get away. It's like, okay, your girlfriend just broke up with you, right? Don't rebound and get all in your feelings. Like just, just take some time off and really think about this carefully. So that's my fear with Notre Dame. This is a feely hire and not a legit, we've thought this through hire. So anyways, let's now jump to the NFL. The MVP race is one of the most um mysterious ones I think I've I've ever seen. Um by this point you typically have one or two guys that are like clear favorites. And it's just like, okay, who's gonna outperform the other in the last couple few weeks here to win um the M V P. But this year is just completely different. And every time you think someone's, you know, oh has the best odds to win it, they they come out and lay an egg for the next two weeks. And so or they get hurt um so nick where do you see the nfl mvp going to at this point
1: well as we talked about off air before we started recording for this episode derrick henry may have had the best non-quarterback shot had he stayed healthy but fortunately that's just not the case he's not he's on the shelf for the regular season at the very least hopefully Titans make playoffs and he can come back in. So it really does become a quarterback race after that. I know Taylor from Indianapolis had a very good, he's doing very well right now, but I I don't have confidence that the Colts are going to use him or he's going to get the numbers to supersede these quarterbacks that are up there right now. Because in my eyes, you have Tom Brady will always be someone in the conversation, whether he has the numbers that truly warrants him to be there or he's just there because of what he has done in the past is up for debate. But right now in the league, he's second in passing. He's actually number one in touchdowns. So for him to be in that conversation, he would look to be the front runner right now. But I think a lot of those passing touchdowns were from those blowout wins where they were just pretty much stomping on teams or trying to catch back up. So for me, This MVP race is very close. It's going to end up going to quarterback, unfortunately. Cooper Cup looked like he had great potential to be up there, but Matthew Stafford just is throwing the ball to different colored jerseys than what he's wearing right now. He's forgetting, just getting lost in his schemes. Patrick Mahomes, really, we've been talking about it off and on throughout the season, just has not looked comfortable. He looks like he's pressing way too much. He's trying to make magic every time, and it's like, you can just settle for plays and make it happen sometimes that's more of a team mvp than the league mvp type mentality so it's just and then josh allen has games that are off and on like he one week he look they look like they're going to dominate the league The next week they can they just get dismantled by a team like the colts a few weeks ago for example so for me it If I had to pick someone today that's going to win the league MVP, I would say Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. Those two, in my eyes, are the one or two. Aaron Rodgers is quite a bit behind in terms of passing yards and touchdowns, but he has been probably the most consistent of the two. Tom Brady has the numbers, and with his what he's accomplished in the league could play a factor in that with the waters being so muddled NFL tends to lean on your legacy when it gets that close more so than what you can do. So I think Aaron Rodgers, maybe even Dak Prescott might have a shot. Kirk Cousins has been looking good, but he has, he just, his team's a 500 team. That's not going to get you there. So long winded answer, but I think Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those are the two I feel the strongest about being able to do it down the stretch. What do you have, Nathan?
0: Yeah, this is very, very difficult. Um, I think Derek Henry, as you said, would be the runaway player here if he wasn't hurt. But uh, given the fact of the quarterback play going on, I really think if the Colts can win out and get a playoff berth and Jonathan Taylor like just dominates, I think he gets it. Yeah. Um, but that that that's the only way he gets it. He he he's been looking phenomenal lately. Um. So I he's the best non-quarterback chance. But the Colts and him have to just shine like no other team the last you know few weeks here for that to happen. Will that happen? Probably not. Um. So what are my next options? I know Patrick Mahomes has struggled, but the Chiefs have looked really good. He has looked really good the past few weeks. I think Patrick Mahomes can make a very good late push here. He's got his team number one now in his division, while all the other teams look like they're falling apart like none other in that division. So I think he can make a late push for an MVP. Um, if he can get like his team to a 12-5 and record by the end of the year and maybe even number one or two C in the AFC. Believe it or not, man, just thinking where they were at not too long ago. So I think Patrick Mahomes has a chance and Aaron Rodgers. I agree with you there, but unfortunately because the game is so political and with his COVID situation and not being vaccinated and how they're pushing for the vaccinations in the NFL, he's not going to get it. I don't, it doesn't matter how good he plays. It doesn't matter how good he does. The NFL hates him. Everyone hates him. Um, no matter how good he is. So he's just not going to win it from a political standpoint, (laughs) in my opinion. So honestly, to me, I don't think I don't think Tom Brady's gonna. He's had way too many bad games. Um, I don't think he's gonna win it. So I, I think it's between Jonathan Taylor and Patrick Mahomes, to be honest with you. And and I think the end of the year really matters the most than the beginning. I feel like at the end of the day, it's like let's say the Chiefs finish twelve and five. I think at the end of the day, you know, they're gonna be like, okay, yeah, you guys had a rough start, but. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, your top three in passing yards, top three in touchdowns, past the top three completion percentage. Um and you get your team to number one or two seed. You know, I think that that's enough for Patrick Mahomes to get MVP. Um, especially if he carried his team at the end of the year. So um you have a point about the legacy thing, and I think Patrick Mahomes has built somewhat of a legacy already to 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 help him in that push. Especially if he's going up against a Jonathan Taylor, um, who kind of just emerged this year. So I guess my top pick is, is JT and, and, and Patrick Mahomes. Um, I would want to say Rodgers, but unfortunately, I think the political part is going to get in the way there. But man, what a crazy year um, for MVP. Like, it seems like nobody wants it. So kind of like my picks last, the last couple of weeks for our challenge seems like nobody wants to get anything right on my for me. So let's jump to our uh, sports bet challenge that we do every week. And um, you've I think you've got like a four yeah you got a four point lead on me going into the final weeks here. So I need to make a lake push here if I wanna if I wanna stay in this. So without further ado, against the spread pick. What do you got this weekend?
1: Against the spread, I am looking at the 49ers at Seahawks. Seahawks are in vast disarray, especially offensively. Um, no running game to speak of. Russell Wilson can't seem to find his receivers anymore unless your name's Tyler Lockett. Then he can get it to you a few times. Uh, I just think three and a half points. I think San Francisco covers that pretty easily because they're trying to assert their self back into the playoff picture. They have been looking consistent. They've been looking better, and they're getting healthier. So I'm saying that San Francisco covers that three and a half point spread. What do you have, Nathan?
0: Yeah, that's a really good pick. I think it's um it's clear that Russell Wilson is not gonna be back in Seattle next year. Um I'm gonna go with our um Cincinnati football team here in the Bengals, minus three. Um they play the Chargers at home. Chargers, you know, been a little obviously been very inconsistent lately. Um, especially when they come east, they're not what we normally see in the chargers they're kind of a weird team cincinnati um love the one they had last week against pittsburgh i i think this is a team that after that win is starting to really find themselves and find that true identity they have and so i i'm really liking this team making this late playoff push and getting well they could win their division now uh, to be honest with you so um i like this team a lot so getting a West coast team that's struggling at on the East coast, three point three point favorite. I like that Cincinnati minus three Uh, over under, who do you have
1: over under? I'm looking at Jaguars and Rams. It says 48 points. Um, I don't think Rams will have a problem scoring. I think the Jaguars will, as of late, they've had trouble getting just over 14 points in most of their games. So I'm going the 48 points. If I thought Jaguars could pull their share, I would say over on the 48, but I'm going to say under, I just think the Rams will shut them down. They, they look inept on offense. The Jaguars do. So it's going to go under 48 points. Simply put. What do you have, Nathan?
0: I'm doing Phillies and jets. Um, obviously they're super close in location. So, um, no issue there for like, you know, sometimes when people travel a lot, they, so, you know, their, their, their plays not as good. So, Really close in location, so fans for both teams will probably even be at the game. Uh, And it's a 45.5 over under. I think both the Jets have shown here lately they can put some points up. Um, Philly, low last week, was not very good. Um, They go 7 one week and 40 the next week. They're very inconsistent. So I'm going to take my chances that Philly is going to. not be held to seven points against the worst defense in the league. And um, I think the Jets can put up some points against Philadelphia. So I'm going to pick the over 45 and a half on that game. All right. Who's our money line underdog pit.
1: My money line is going to depend on, I have two of them. One is if this injury stays, Jalen hurts has an ankle injury that seems to be hindering him. And Jalen hurts. game is predicated on the, his ability to be mobile. That's that's his bread and butter right now in the NFL. He is not much, he can pass in the pocket, but he's not much of a pocket passer. He likes to be able to roll. He likes to be able to move. He likes that option of be able to take off with the ball. So if that ankle injury would keep him out where Garden Minshew takes over, I could see the Jets pulling out the upset again. That's if this ankle injury is significant. With us doing this on Thursday, there's it's still murky whether he could or couldn't play or whether it's going to hinder him enough or not. So if you're going or a money line risk, I would definitely say go for the Jets because if Jalen's out, I don't know how well this offense moves or how well it functions without it, but because I can't just predicate it all on that, I'm going to say Washington pulls up the upset when they go to Las Vegas. Washington football team is looking like a sound team. They're looking like the Ron Rivera type of team that we thought we would see early on. They're starting to get their form. Their defense is looking very sharp, even with the loss of Chase Young, and they have a running game now. It came finally. So I'm going to say the Washington football team gets the money line, but I would keep an eye on that Eagles-Jets game. Jalen's out. I would jump all over that Jets money line.
0: You're going to bet against Minchumania, Mania, man.
1: Dude. 1-15. in 15. That's all I got to say. 1-15. in
0: Minchu Mania, though. All right. Um, I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to beat Baltimore this week. Um, Baltimore is, oh my gosh, I just... I roll my eyes so much of this team. There, it's like four interceptions. We still win. Delay a game, make a sixty-six yard field goal. We still win. You know, it's just they they get they get these crazy wins that they should have win. <laughs> and um, Pittsburgh's coming off an embarrassing loss. Uh, they're back to five hundred. Team that hasn't been below five hundred, in I don't know how long. So, I think Pittsburgh knows how important this game is it's a rivalry game it's in division they lose they're under 500 they win they're above 500 baltimore it keeps getting lucky going to pittsburgh is so hard so trap game for baltimore here pit pit wins this game um and makes the mur- murky waters in the afc more murky <laughs> so um pit Baltimore is the number one team they see right now but though i think they're gonna lose uh let's jump to our wild card what do you got
1: Wildcard game, i to to a game you talked about earlier, Chargers at Bengals. I did the over-under. I was saying it's going to be under, not because the Bengals won't put up the points, but I think the Chargers will come a little sleepy, and they'll have a similar performance like they did with Denver, where they failed to get to 20 points. You, you needed both teams to do what they need to do, so 50 points is what they're saying. I'm saying that game is going to be under that.
0: It's funny because now I'm going to steal a game from you, and this is the 49 Seahawks Seahawks. Um, picking the same thing, but I had I got it I got it at minus three, so you got it at three and a half. Uh, four, I'm picking 49ers minus minus three. Uh, Russell Wilson wants out. The Seattle team's done. They're they're tanking. Um, well, they're not in this, they're not intentionally tanking, but it's just Pete Carroll's out. Russell Wilson's going to get traded. This is going to be a rebuilt team. It's just. It's just kind of like, let's just get through this season and get this over with. So, And as you said, San Francisco is yeah, making maybe a late playoff this year. So uh, keep an eye on that. All right. Uh, before we get to our college football game, let's do our Sunday night game.
1: Sunday night football game, you have the Broncos at the Chiefs. Chiefs are favored by 10 points at the Sunday night football game. I say the Broncos can cover that. I'm not saying the Broncos are going to win, but I don't, the Chiefs won't win by 10 points. They're just not looking getting that great offensively to win by that much. What do you have, Nathan?
0: Yeah, that's a it's a it's a good pick. Uh, to me, I'm like, uh, Denver, you don't know what Denver team you're going to get, and you don't know what Kansas City team you're going to get, so I'm a little scared there. What I'm going to do, though, is pick the over. Uh, it's just Sunday Night Football. I just feel like t- it tends to be more high-scoring over, uh, you know, so Kansas City defense n- improved, don't get me wrong, but not super good yet. Um, Denver offense, can be really good at times. Just depends on how good Teddy Bridgewater plays. Uh, I'm going to suspect that the Broncos' offense is good enough to put up some points, um, along with a lot of points Kansas City's going to put up. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the spread. And I'm going to. I'm just going to stick with the over under here and go over the 47 points. All right, uh, championship week in college football. We're going to do the uh, Big Ten championship just because it's close to home and because Ohio State's not in it. <laughs> So Michigan versus Iowa. Who do you got?
1: Michigan versus Iowa, the game itself, um, two physical teams, one that actually has an offense, the other one we thought maybe could piece together an offense, but has not. Michigan looked very dominant in what they wanted to do against Ohio State. They enforced their will. They just pounded at the ball pound the ball at Ohio State, which was the recipe they needed to be successful. Iowa, quite honestly, since their Penn State win has just been up and down and all over the place in the Big Ten. Quite honestly, I this is the year I wish the Big Ten would go by your best the best records in the conference and just put the two best teams here instead of having two sides of it like the Big Twelve does, but that's not what they do. They have Michigan versus Iowa. And quite honestly, I think Michigan's going to win, but I don't think they win by 11 points. I think Iowa keeps it close just because of that physical defense. They just keep things close. I'm not feeling super calm about the over and under. I I have forty around 43 and a half, so not sure the game can get up that high just because Mich- Iowa will not put up points. Michigan will pound the ball. Iowa will want to pound the ball. So I think Michigan fails to get the 11 points they need over Iowa, but I think they win. What do you have, Nathan? I'm
0: going to do the over-under here. I don't like the the big spread that they have for this game. Um, Michigan will win, but uh, Iowa just really hangs into games a lot. They really like to slow it down. Um, I do think it's going to be over the 43-and-a-half, though. Um, the Michigan offense looks really good, especially that, that, uh, that run game. I know Iowa's defense is pretty good, so it's not going to be like – the Ohio State game where they put up like forty two points, but I think both of these offenses will be able to do enough here to to put up the uh, plenty of points. to over surpasses forty three and a half. I'm surprised it's this low. I thought it would be more like 47, 48 range. in The over under. Um, so th- that's just very low for a college championship game. So I'm I'm I think this is a an easier pick for me to pick the over the forty three and a half than... Um, than the spread in this game
1: it'll tell a lot about the college playoff picture that game the big 12 sec who who will remain on top who will fall below the ranks of the top four we'll have to tell also since they also has to hold serve because they don't have a cupcake matchup in houston so this weekend will be very interesting for the college football playoffs a lot of questions will finally be answered of who these top four could be, or who will they attempt to sneak in for that fourth pick if everyone holds serve. With that being said, that's going to put a wrap on our episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to today. We have been the Sports Forecasters. You've been listening to Nathan Singer. I'm Nick Alvarez, and we'll see you next time.